I want you to play a game with me this morning. I want you to imagine that you're on a treadmill in your most favorite space or place. And if you don't like a treadmill, let's use an exercise bike. And you get started and you're going at a comfortable pace. If you're joining us online and on your couch, I just want you to get off your couch mentally and get into that headspace where you're on a treadmill or on an exercise bike, whichever kind you want. But what you don't know is I have a remote control to your treadmill or your exercise bike. (laughs) And the ornery side of me lets you get started and then I press it and it just goes a little bit faster and you don't even notice. But then I wait a few minutes and I press it again and it goes just a little bit faster. And you're thinking, well, maybe, maybe this is the same as it was yesterday and maybe I just didn't get enough sleep last night and, and I don't know what's going on, but there's something going on in your head. And then I press it and it goes just a little bit faster. And it's either a fast walk or it's, it's faster than you've ever been on your exercise bike. But then my honorary self gets the best of me and I press it again. And it's going just a little bit faster. And you're thinking in your head, what is going on? But I don't stop. I press it a little bit faster. And now you're in a slow jog or a fast pace on your bike and you're wondering what is going on. And I'm diabolical in the sense that you can look at the monitor and it is still on one. But you know it's the fastest one that you've ever been. Then I press it again and you're on a full out run. And I'm enjoying every minute of it. But you're not. Now I want you to think about your life. And maybe you started years ago dating or boyfriend or girlfriend, check yes or no, in the box. And you've dated a few and now you're engaged to the one and you get married and then you get, you have a child, and then you, you know, have a career, and you have a job, and, and, and the pace is getting a little bit faster. And then you think, ah, I need a nicer house, I need a better car. And so maybe you press into your career, or your work, or maybe even get a second job to make ends meet, and you... Get a bigger mortgage and a better house and all of a sudden you're running super fast and you're in a hurry and you wonder where time has gone and you're thinking about your legacy and what you've left behind. Can that describe you? Do you almost always feel rushed in your life? Are you occasionally or often disappointed in your life because where you wanted to be and what you wanted to do and where you are you're not happy with? It's not meeting your expectations and and, and maybe you've reached most of your goals and you're still not satisfied, you're still not fulfilled. Here's the question, what if the greatest enemy to the life you want may be the life you're living 
right now. And you've not taken a moment to reflect. And I want you to know as I preach this sermon today, I want you to know I'm preaching to myself. Because that's how I live. That's how I've lived most of my life. Bigger, faster, more. Even with trusting God. In fact, if I'm not going Mach 1 with my hair on fire, and in fact, the reason why I don't have hair <laughs> is because of my lifestyle. It's autoimmune. Stress-related. Absolutely all the way. Now, I've never said this. This is not my phrase. The devil doesn't take a day off. I've never said that, but maybe you have said that. I know some pastors have said that. Or I'll slow down when I get to heaven. You know, my wife is the opposite. She's my compliment. And every once in a while, she'll say, why don't you slow down? You can take a day off, rest. And I just can't do it. If I'm not drinking caffeine and I'm not getting that adrenaline high, I'm not living the way I want to live. And it's not healthy. It is not healthy. And if you're living that way, and I talked to some people in first service today, And I'm hitting home to some of you. Some of you don't have a problem with this. Praise God. But you're probably married to or dating someone who who does. And, and, And one of the mottos is, I just don't have time. Just don't have time. And you're going to hear this phrase over and over again, this message. What if the greatest enemy of the life you want is the life you're now living? And let me, let me frame this in the sense of, let's say you continue to live this way all your life, and you're in my stage of life, and you're looking at your legacy, and you're saying, what have I done? Have I done what God has called me to do? And I talk to pastors that are retired and have some guilt Involved, either with their family or their relationships, and struggle because of the life they've lived. And if pastors have that, so do you. And if you remember with me last week, we talked that we are to be people of the way. And we were we reminded that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. And if you join me with the 52 theological conversations with our kids in, in that book, the first week is that Jesus is the truth. And how do we identify truth in our lives? And the first way is through God's creation. The order that it is that God created everything. The second way was because of God himself revealed in Scripture. The third way was Jesus the Savior. And the fourth way was the Holy Spirit is a way that we can know truth. But we're really okay with the truth because we're a Bible-believing church and we love the Word of God. And we like truth and that Jesus is the truth. We know that. But the problem is, are we following the way of Jesus in our lives? Because you've got to understand that Jesus never once ran in Scripture. Jesus never once ran. 
He never looked at the apostles and said, hey guys, we're behind. You need to pick up the pace. We're supposed to be here. In fact, Jesus said to his mom, so my time has not yet come. This is not on my schedule. We don't have to do this thing. But because mom put it on him, he made wine at a wedding. He stopped. Jesus was busy. He had multitudes surrounding him, demands on his life. When they found out who he was and what he could do, But he was never rushed. Do we know what that's all about? In the Gospel of Mark, chapter 2, verse 14, it says, As he, as Jesus walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus. This is Matthew, sitting at a tax collector's booth. He said, follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up, Matthew got up, and he followed him. Now, we believe that Matthew had heard of Jesus, probably saw Jesus before, but Jesus was walking. He wasn't hurrying. He wasn't rushing. He was on his father's timetable, and he stopped, and he called Matthew. And I, and I wonder if Jesus called me, would I lay aside my job, my work, and follow him? That was radical. And if we follow an unrushed Jesus, we should be living an unrushed life. And I'm preaching to me. And as we looked last week, Jesus invites you to come to him. He says, come unto me all that ye labor and are heavy laden. Are you labored and heavy laden? And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Wait a second. A yoke is a thing that they use on animals. And it has to do with work and pulling something. And typically if you're pulling with oxen, it's a heavy load. And so he's not saying the load's going to be light. But... With him on your team, with him joining you, he says, And learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. I mean, can I pull a heavy load with Jesus and have rest in my soul? For my yoke is easy and my burden is light, because he does the pulling. Now, I want you to look at this uh, in, in the message, which is kind of a devotional Bible. It's Eugene Peterson's version of the Bible. So it's not a doctrinal statement. But but it rephrases it so we can hear it maybe in a different way. And, and, And Eugene Peterson writes it this way. He says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? A lot of you are religion haters and don't even know it. Some of you, you're here for the first time and, and you're shopping churches and you're looking around and you know what you don't like. And we don't like the same things. And you've been in churches that burned you out on religion. But Jesus says this, come to me, 
Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I love that phrase. The unforced rhythms of grace. When we look at Rooted this fall, and I started preaching about Rooted in September 10th, and I hope you'll join us on that journey. It's an optional thing. It's not forced. It's not coerced. But it's introducing seven, seven rhythms of grace into your life that will help you. Jesus says, I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. This yoke will fit. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Doesn't that sound good? In our adrenaline junkie, fast-paced, crazed world where everything has got to be on a schedule. And it's not just for working folks. It's retired folks. It's young people. I know young people that have busier schedules that, that schedule their life on their phone so they won't miss anything. Because they're already in tune. They've learned it from us. You see, we're not just to believe what Jesus believed. We need to live the way Jesus lived. And if Jesus wasn't rushed, why are you? Maybe we're running from something. Maybe we're running to something. What would be... What would be... What, <coughs> let me rephrase it. What would be, we... <laughs> What would we be running from? Would it be broken relationships? Would it be the fear of anxiety? The, the fear of loss? Would it be running from a family, a dysfunctional family? From parents? From bad memories? Or what could we be running to so quickly? Goals? Unrealistic expectations, a vision of life that you have taken on, maybe the world is placed inside of you, that really isn't good for you. I uh, was a youth pastor in a former life for about 28 years. First church I went to, we were at for two years. And there was a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure had committees for everything, had goals. We were out every night. I, I, I mean, there were so many committees in this church, it was unbelievable. I couldn't do the work of, of, of calling or, or ministering sometimes because we had so many committees in church I had to work through to get there. And I learned that you couldn't make mistakes or be honest or authentic in that, in that situation. So what I do after two years, I left. I went to another church, but I'd learned a few rules. First of all, you don't share your mistakes when you make in ministry. And second of all, you work hard and you play ahead of the game. That's what I learned. And for three years at that church, I maintained an unsustainable life until I burned out. And I went on, what I do? I went to the next church, which happens to be this church. And after three or four years of unsustainability, I had to stop. Because I was burnt out, and, and that was my first burnout experience in this church. 
And I'd step back and look at my family and these young children that we had. Say, if I continue to live like that, they won't love Jesus. They won't grow up knowing who Jesus is. They'll just know that they had an absent father that loved the church more than he loved them. That was the legacy I had. Maybe you're at that point in your life. And, and, and the problem is, you're chasing a life that leaves you empty. And if it can happen in ministry, it can happen anywhere, in any career, any, any job. It can. And I still struggle. I mean, I'm telling you, I still struggle. Jesus said this. He said, For what shall a man be profited if he shall gain the whole world and forfeit his life? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his life? We can have it all, but we lose our soul in the process. What if the greatest enemy to life, the life you want, is the life you're living right now? And you would say to me, I don't have enough time. I don't have enough time. But we all have 24 hours in a day, 7 days in a week, 365 days in a year. We all have time. You have time for what you choose to have time for. That's the bottom line. We all have the same amount of time. The solution is not more time. That's not the solution. The solution is this, is more of what matters most. And, and I hope some of you are saying, well, Chris, you seem to be a real laid-back pastor, and, and I just don't see that in you. Well, let me tell you, I hide it really, really well. I have agendas, I have lists, I have things, I have unrealistic expectations all the time. I carry guilt and regret all the time. Where I can't be, what I can't do, where I haven't been. All the time. That's the reality in this pastor's life. You wonder why pastors burn out? I can tell you. I can tell you. Am I burning out? Absolutely not. I'm just being authentic with you. Because if I can be authentic with you, maybe you can learn from me and maybe I can learn from you. And maybe some of you are experienced life like that right now. What is the reason... You don't have time for what matters. Let me tell you about the average American. Because I, I love the average American. Maybe you are the average American. The average American spends 706 hours a year on social media. In eight-hour workdays, I, I figured it out, almost four and a half months of working hours on social media. That's just Facebook, Instagram, uh, TikTok, what's the, what's the other, uh, Twitter. Or X now. Or 2,737 hours on TV annually. That's a lot of hours. Now, now I'm going to meddling to you guys. Don't feel like I'm picking on you. But the average guy by the age of 21 has spent 10,000 hours on video games. Gentlemen, that's a lot of hours. Ladies, that's a lot of hours. If you were getting paid $10 an hour, that would be $100,000. You could read 2,000 books in that time. You could learn to play the piano, which I've always wanted to learn. You could memorize the New Testament. You could do an undergraduate degree and a graduate degree. 
You could potentially save your marriage if you would invest that time there. You could reconcile your family. You could build strong kids if you used that time wisely and why. And again, I ask, what if the greatest enemy of the life you want to live is the life you're living right now? So what do you do? What do I do? And understand this, and I see this often. If you don't slow down, God may make you slow down. I have friends that have had heart attacks. Guess what? They slow down if they're still alive. I've, I've had friends that have had panic attacks and anxiety attacks. They ran so fast and so hard that they went through depression that they don't get out of. And it's a reminder, it's a reminder about who God is. God is love. I love to say that God loves you like crazy. Crazy, crazy love that God has for his children. He doesn't want you to be burnt out, stressed out. You don't have to prove anything to him. His grace is sufficient. See, the greatest command is this, to love God with all our hearts, with all our souls, with all our mind, with all our strength. And, and love is com- incompatible with hurry. Last night, today's our daughter's birthday. If you see Jennifer, wish her happy birthday. Last night, we took care of the grandkids. And uh, we, we went out for, we, I had to go get pizza. And the three-year-old said, Pop, Pop, can, can I go with you? I said, absolutely. Get your shoes on, boy. I got up and I was ready to go. The boy hadn't got up and got his shoes on. I was in a hurry. I said, well, get it done, boy. Marshall, come on. Guess how grandma looked at me. I don't have to preach today. Love is patient. Love takes time. Hurry doesn't have time. Now, how will my three-year-old grandson remember me? His grandpa that was always in a hurry, that couldn't wait, couldn't hold his hand, couldn't take him to the grocery store. Here's a prayer that I've been praying. God, help me to walk slowly enough to experience Jesus fully and and to love people deeply. That's the legacy I want to leave. Isn't it yours? God, help me to walk slowly enough to experience Jesus fully and to love people deeply. You know, if we pray this prayer for seven days, you're going to be more present in the moment. I was missing the moment last night. Big time. So I have to preach it to you today and confess that I missed it. My wife didn't. (laughs) I got to look. Second, you're going to choose what's important and eliminate what's not in your life. Folks, if you don't have time to show up for church or even online, 
If you don't have time to place God first in your life, you're too busy and you need to eliminate some things because some things aren't going to last. You're only in a season. And you're going to regret. You're going to regret not putting those right priorities in your life and for your children and for your grandchildren to let them know what really is important because we're going to take that into eternity and that's what really matters. And third, you're going to sense God's presence and recognize his voice if you take a breath and you walk slowly and you fully experience Jesus and you live in that moment. So my question is, would you pray for the next seven days? This prayer, God help me walk slowly enough to experience Jesus fully and to love people deeply and be in the moment. Would you please stand as I pray? Father God, I confess my sin of hurry and an impatience and unrealistic expectations. And Father, I ask for these, your people, the blessing of walking fully in your presence and experiencing you in a way that is otherworldly. That Father, that we will love people deeply that we will live the way of Jesus and our lives would be better and it would reflect you in everything that we do. Father, the next generation is counting on us. The legacy will be left. And Father, we want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, that your agenda isn't too busy, too hurried, too rushed. Help us to live the way of Jesus. We pray this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.